Welcome to Accessible Art History, the podcast, the best place for art history lovers or anyone that is curious. My name is Annalisa, and I'm going to be sharing an amazing archaeological discovery with you today. Just a quick reminder before the episode starts, all sources and images will be posted on the Accessible Art History blog. You can find the link in the episode description as well as on Instagram at accessible.art.history. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get started. Can you believe that it's the final episode of season 12 of Accessible Art History, the podcast? I can't. It's been a wild and fascinating ride through some of the most important archaeological finds ever unearthed. To wrap things up, we're going to explore the library of Ashurbanipal. Located near the modern city of Mosul, Iraq, this collection of over 30,000 clay tablets was dubbed by H.G. Wells to be, quote, the most precious source of historical material in the world. So to learn more, keep on listening. And thank you to listener Kayla for sponsoring this episode. Before we dive into the library, let's take a look at the mighty Ashurbanipal. He's often considered the, quote, last great king of Assyria and ruled the Neo-Assyrian Empire from 669 BCE to his death in 631 BCE. This 38-year-long reign also makes him one of the longest ruling kings of his period. Ashurbanipal was born around 685 BCE as the younger son, most sources agree that he was the fourth, of King Ashurhadon. His father was a mighty warrior who conquered Egypt and brought it under the control of his empire. When his eldest son and heir, Sin Nadin Apili, died, Ashurhadon was thrown into a panic. This is because his own accession to the imperial throne was extremely difficult. So he drew up a will that would have massive implications for the future of his empire. Ashurhadon chose to make Ashurbanipal and his brother Samash Shum Ukin equal heirs, with Ashurbanipal inheriting Assyria and his brother inheriting Babylon. This arrangement caused a lot of tension within the family because Shamash Shum Akin believed that he should have inherited the entirety of his father's empire because he was older than his brother. The tensions only increased when it became clear that Babylon would act more of a client kingdom to Assyria. Ashurbanipal is most famous for his military campaigns. Not only did he quash rebellions in the recently conquered Egypt, but he also fought against Elam, Assyria's greatest enemy. Things became even more intense when his brother created an alliance with Elam and he had to fight two fronts at once. Despite the amount of military campaigns that Ashurbanipal headed, he is also associated with his cultural contributions to his empire. Of course, there is the library, but we have also found many pieces of art associated with his reign, most famously, Ashurbanipal hunting lions. You will see this over on the blog post. The amount of objects that he created or had a hand in creating allow us to truly understand the ancient Near East during this time, which is something I'll explore later in this episode. Sadly, history has not always been kind to Ashurbanipal. In the Greco-Roman literary tradition, he is known as Sardanopolis. They perceived him as effeminate and decadent, which is why he was the last king to hold any real power in Assyria. However, through the study of his library, historians actually found that he was well, pretty brutal and ruthless. In fact, some of the tablets describe massacres of his own citizen. But this wasn't enough, and after his death, Assyria went into a sharp decline. Only about five years later, we see the rise of the Neo-Babylonian Empire. Alright, now that we have the background information, let's dive into the discovery of the Library of Ashurbanipal. As I've discussed on the podcast before, the 19th century was filled with wealthy amateur archaeologists looking to uncover the physical remains of ancient legends and biblical stories. One of these, quote, archaeologists was an English art historian, a seriologist, and politician named Sir Austin Henry Laird. In 1850, he was working on excavations in northern Iraq at the city of Nineveh. This was once the capital of the great Assyrian Empire, but had been burned to the ground in 612 BCE. While digging, Laird and his team uncovered a chamber filled with tablets. He wrote this quote to his foreman. We can see his excitement in it. 
Quote, the chambers I am describing appear to have been a depository for such documents, historical records, and public documents. To the height of a foot or more from the floor, they are entirely filled with them. Some are whole, but the greater parts are broken into frags. Unquote. Discontinued until the 1930s, and eventually over 30,000 clay tablets were discovered. The majority of them were shipped to the British Museum, where they remain to this day. Laird wrote two books about his discovery that helped the public's understanding of the ancient past, Discoveries in the Ruins of Nineveh and Babylon in 1851, and a second series of the Monuments of Nineveh in 1853. This launched him to fame and eventually helped Laird launch a political career. Next, I'm going to discuss the contents of the library and their importance, but first, let's take a quick break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi there, my name is Annalisa and I'm the founder of Accessible Art History. My goal is to bring art history content to anyone that is curious. All my platforms can be accessed for free, but there are ways that you can support the cause. If you enjoy this episode, please consider leaving a rate and review on your favorite platform. I also have a Patreon and a Buy Me A Coffee account set up if you feel inclined to support Accessible Art History monetarily. However, I will always work to bring content for free because I believe that education should be accessible for those who want and need it. Thank you for listening, and now let's get back to the episode. All right, now that we're back, let's take a look at the contents of the unearthed library of Ashurbanipal. As I mentioned a few minutes ago, the palace and the library at the Assyrian capital of Nineveh was burned down in 612 BCE. Now, when we think of a traditional library, we think about rows and rows of paper books. However, in this ancient library, scribes recorded things on clay tablets. So instead of burning to a crisp and being lost forever, the tablets baked, solidifying them and preserving them for a future generation to find. The clay was originally soft because the scribes pressed the letters into soft clay using a stylus. The language was called kineiform, and it means wedge-shaped. Instead of the alphabets we are used to seeing today, the quote, letters of the ancient Near East were made of small shapes that resembled triangles, or wedges, and incised lines. Make sure to check out the linked blog post for image examples. However, not all of the tablets were created by scribes for the library. Ashurbanipal also used his military might to loot tablets for this collection. Many of these foreign ones describe religious rituals. Historians have theorized that Ashurbanipal specifically sought out these tablets to help him gain an advantage against both his domestic and foreign enemies. Besides the religious text, we also find records of the king's military campaigns, legislation, correspondence to foreign friends or even enemies, financial issues, and other things that are associated with running a kingdom. These 30,000 plus tablets have provided us with an amazing insight in the world of the ancient Near East. Speaking of insight, let's discuss the historical importance of the discovery of the Library of Ashurbanipal. First and foremost, it has completely changed the world's view in the ancient Near East. Prior to this unearthing, almost everything we knew about that time period came from the Bible or from limited archaeological finds. Even the quote mundane tablets about legislation and financial issues can tell us a plethora about what the world was like at the time. Secondly, one of the most important pieces of ancient literature was discovered at the library. It's 
called the Epic of Gilgamesh, and the tablets in this space are some of the best preserved in the world. The story tells the reader about Gilgamesh, the king of Uruk, another ancient Near Eastern kingdom, and Enkidu, a wild man created by the gods to stop Gilgamesh from oppressing the people. After some trials, the two become friends, and they go on many adventures. These quests also include the encounter with the Great Flood, similar to the one found in the Old Testament. Scholars consider the Epic of Gilgamesh to not only be a foundational work of mythic literature, but also a foundational religious text that may have inspired or influenced religions around the world. It is honestly a miracle that these tablets survive. Without them, we would have a significant gap in our knowledge about the ancient Greece and what the region was like thousands of years ago. Thankfully for the general public, historians have recognized the importance of the tablet collection. Since 2002, the British Museum and the University of Mosul have partnered to create the Ashurbanipal Library Project. The goal was to document, translate, and repair the tablets so that as much information as possible could be gleaned from them. During the most recent stage, high-resolution photographs of the tablets have been taken and uploaded. They have also been made available for the public to view, so if you'd like to take a look for yourself, I've linked the website in the blog post. The Library of Ashurbanipal is one of the biggest finds in the ancient Near Eastern archaeology. Not only has it illuminated the reign of a great king, but it has shown us more than we ever thought possible about that time in history. And that's a wrap on Season 12. Thank you all for listening and bearing with me while I navigated content creation and my new career as a teacher. I haven't decided the next theme for Season 13 or when it will premiere, but keep an eye out on Instagram at accessible.art.history for any and all updates. I look forward to exploring more of art history with you in the future. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Accessible Art History, the podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at accessible.art.history and keep an eye out for the next episode. They drop every Monday on your favorite podcast platform. If you prefer to listen on YouTube, episodes will start being uploaded in a few weeks, so subscribe there too.